Ramble. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Bada bing, bada boo. There is a lot going on in today's episode, so buckle up. There were a string of mysterious deaths happening in China, but it wasn't just the deaths that were mysterious, but what was happening to the bodies of the deceased. So it's not just the fact that they died, but weird things started happening to basically corpses in China. Some of them were just vanishing without a trace, leaving a whole nation of people wondering, what the hell is going on? Like, is there something that we don't know? Why are people's corpses going missing? Why are people's dead bodies going missing? And all of these cases are connected in the strangest, most sinister way I couldn't even have imagined it if I thought of like a horror movie plot. In 2021, a Daoying influencer, a TikTok influencer by the name of Little Kitty, she had over 700,000 followers. I mean, she was known as a visual influencer. So people would follow her because she was very visually pleasing to look at. She would post about fashion, makeup, lifestyle. I mean, she was very positive presence on the screen. In 2021, she posted a video that was very unlike all of her other videos. She seemed really, really serious. She looks visibly exhausted. She tells her viewers, this is probably my last video. Thank you all for your support. You guys know that I've been struggling with depression for a while. Every time you see me being happy, that's just what I want to show you guys, okay? But recently, I can't take it anymore. If you want to know the reason, please go watch my live stream. Over a million people saw this post. They immediately tuned into her live stream because they don't know what's going on. It's very cryptic. It seems dark and sinister. Like, what is she talking about? She directs everyone to this live stream and she appears very out of it. She's smiling, but it doesn't feel genuine. She keeps zoning out in the live stream and she just seemed overall very unstable. She's hinting that she doesn't want to keep streaming any longer. People kept commenting things like, please just get some rest. End the stream, get some rest, take a break. We totally understand if you take a break. Little Kitty looked like she was waiting for someone to enter her stream. It was really weird. And then she can slowly be seen lifting a clear water bottle. So like one of those plastic water bottles, but it was filled with this dark colored liquid. It looked weird, okay? The liquid did not look like a normal beverage. It just didn't have the consistency of like a Dr. Pepper. It just looked strange. And she just kept drinking it in little sips. And every time she would just grimace, it didn't look tasty. She kept claiming it was Coca-Cola. The police would later identify the liquid to be toxic for human life. She was drinking it on the string? Yeah. A lot of comments were catching on. They were very worried. I mean, this coupled with her last post, it just felt very dangerous. It felt very... You know, I think people knew what she was trying to do. They were writing things like, please don't do anything stupid. Someone call the police. We love you. Please don't do this. You're young. What about your parents? Others said really callous, heartless things. There were some accounts posting into this live. If you want to drink it, you should hurry up. Some people were encouraging her, egging her, saying, drink, 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 drink. She finished drinking the liquid, waved the empty bottle in front of the camera, 
She said it doesn't taste very good. The live ended, police and ambulances rushed to the scene, and soon news started circulating that little Kitty had died October 15th of 2021 from that very dark liquid she drank. She was eventually cremated, but the mystery surrounding her case doesn't even end here. November of 2021, her case met headlines yet again because her ashes were stolen by someone who claims to have wanted to marry her. They stole her ashes because they want to marry her off. This is very puzzling. This is sinister, and it is a case that continues to baffle netizens. So as always, full show notes are available at RottenMinglePodcast.com. I did get a Mandarin speaker to help with this research on this case and also to help figure out like the sociocultural context because there is a bit of history to today's case and it's, it's a lot. But as always, if anything is lost in translation or if you know any cases like this you'd like me to talk about, let us know in the comments. Let's get into it. Of course, netizens were devastated about Little Kitty's death, but they were also kind of furious. It's speculated that Little Kitty was cyberbullied to the point of ending things on her live stream. She just couldn't take it anymore. But you're wondering, why would someone cyberbully a woman who's just trying to share happy videos online, right? Of makeup and clothes, of all things. Literally, why? So it starts in 2019, and it's kind of like a tragic tale that starts with a romance between two social media influencers, which is never a good way to start a story. Little Kitty, in 2019, starts dating a small, small influencer by the name of Zhao. Z. Z was not in the same world as Little Kitty. He wasn't even in the same, I guess, level of influence as Kitty. All he did was post about basketball. Like, this guy was obsessed with basketball. And it's a very small niche. He just likes to play basketball, post videos, and no one really cared because I guess he wasn't that good. He didn't get nearly as many views or as love as Little Kitty. Despite that, the two of them, they fall in love and little kitty is like, hey, we're like couple goals online. You need to keep posting on your channel. Like you need to create a new account. Like take it seriously. She constantly promoted his accounts. And just two years later, they break up in 2021. This is when little kitty starts getting cyberbullied, which like, why? Why would anyone cyberbully her? Z takes to social media to air out their dirty laundry. This guy is... We're not going to get into it. So the cause of the breakup, according to Z, was Little Kitty's emotional instability. He said that she had an extreme personality where she would threaten to go to a high rooftop and jump. She would make him get on his knees and beg for forgiveness in exchange for her not jumping off the rooftop. He said that she used self-harm to manipulate Z and get her way in fights. Z claimed it was all fake, though. All the scars that she had shown him, they were all fake scars. He told his viewers, on top of that, anytime she got mad at me during a fight, she would go and sleep with a bunch of rich men. Allegedly, little Kitty was pregnant and Z did not believe the child was his, which caused them to break up. This is so messy. This would have been on literally every T channel. Like, it was very bad. The backlash was swift without even hearing out little Kitty's side in a very clearly messy breakup where both sides have an incentive to lie about each other. The world was like, we hate little Kitty. She's a manipulative gaslighter and a whore. She's a slut. Like, people were going insane. They would comment nonstop on all of her socials. Tell us the truth. Who's the kid's dad? So many handsome men in this world. I wonder which one is the dad. Her entire comment section became just insulting comment after insulting comment. And once the public was informed by Z, I believe, that she terminated her pregnancy, things got even worse. Z suddenly claimed, 
actually the baby could have been mine and I'm upset that she terminated the pregnancy. So what? now people are mad at her. Like you just, you deprived this man of potentially being a father. And it's like, wait, what is going on? Why is everyone flip-flopping just to hate on her? He even posted, the child could have been mine. Maybe the viewers are misunderstanding, but the kid is gone now. I hope that everyone can just stop hating on her and it's my fault that I didn't see through the hateful ways of society. Stop hating on her, guys. Even though she knows what she did, maybe I chose to do some wrong things too. Leave the past in the past, everyone. I hope viewers can stop holding on to this and I hope she can live a bright future. It's like, sir, you just aired everyone's dirty laundry and now you want to like take the good seat and be like, guys, 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 calm down. It just didn't make sense. So things do kind of calm down, but not really. I mean, people still really wanted to hate little kitty. So that's what they do. This is like back in 2019. Everyone is just shitting on her. So the two enter into two new relationships. Z starts dating a new girl and little kitty starts dating a guy by the name of Lee. And it was really, really rough for little kitty. I mean, just so bad. She never even told the truth about her past relationship. So with Z, you know how they just broke up. Little Kitty, she's getting all this hate, but she never got messy. She never went online and was like, you know what? Z cheated on me with his ex a month into dating me. So I think that he was using me for clout. I think that he was using me for views. He was still in contact with his ex. He was not a good person. And once he started getting viewers, he would even try to sleep with the viewers. He would engage in these inappropriate conversations with viewers. Like here are just a few. A viewer liked one of his pictures and he DM'd her saying, just a like, let's get to know each other. So it seems like the viewer that had this conversation with Z released it. Oh, okay. And then, you know, it kind of got bigger and bigger. And then there were little instances where Little Kitty would hint at the fact that Z was inappropriate with viewers, that he also did things. She didn't go on a whole expose as Z did. Mm -hmm. Like Z went on a witch hunt for her after they broke up. So the viewer said, your girlfriend has a great figure. Because I imagine like this viewer is a viewer of both of them. So she's like, um, you literally have a girlfriend. So your girlfriend has a great figure. And he continues, let's get to know each other, I said. You have a girlfriend. We each play on our own. Really? If you think it's real, then it's real. If you think it's fake, then it's fake. That's what he tells her. Like what? They were not in an open relationship. Like, he's just beyond gross, okay? So this is while they're dating. They break up and everybody is shitting on Little Kitty, even though clearly Z's got issues of his own, right? Little Kitty tries to clarify a couple of things with the audience after the breakup. First of all, she claims, I would never fake self-harm scars. She said, that's disgusting. That's not in my character. Why would I do something like that? She did end up showing some of her scars and they were very much real. She also showed that she was diagnosed with with depression, which I really hate when people on the internet are pushed to the point of revealing a medical diagnosis because really, like you got to go and put out your medical history just so people believe you. That's insane. And she said, I wasn't trying to use being sad in as some sort of relationship manipulation tactic. Like I never threatened to go die because we were in a fight. Like I just am depressed. Like it wasn't, I'm not trying to win a fight. She also denied all the cheating rumors and she said, I'm literally depressed. I don't want to leave the house. I film when I can. What makes you think I have all this time to go sleep around with rich men? Like I can't even get out of bed in the mornings. 
She said that Z controlled what she wore, demanded that they open a couple account, which she did not want to, but he kept asking her, and when she said no, that's when he ended things with her. So it does seem like she was pregnant at one point because she doesn't deny those rumors, but she said that she begged Z to do a paternity test. Z did not want to do one. He kept avoiding the test, and a lot of netizens started speculating that maybe Z was worried that the baby was indeed his, and he did not want to take responsibility. Not only for the child, but for also the false accusations that he put out saying, this child isn't mine. She Mm -hmm. got pregnant, and that's why we broke up. So Z refused to ever take the DNA test, but he did go on a post about how the baby could have been his and how sad he was and like, stop hating on everyone. So when people start calling Z out for his shitty behavior finally, he proudly states that he gave little kitty $15,000 to help her out, but he never gave her a single penny. Never. So despite all of this information coming out onto the internet, little kitty is still getting hate comments. She's trying to stay strong. She's trying to stay posting online. But no matter how much she tries to clear her name and the way that she's clearing her name is is not even vindictive. She's just clearing her name from the allegations she was facing. It's not like she was going out of her way to shit on Z. They never stop following her around. These stupid rumors, though, that she's a slut, a whore, a manipulator, a gaslighter, uses mental health to her advantage in relationships. And it was just really bad. Eventually, she moves on with a new man by the name of Lee. Lee is not a good person. According to those that were close to Little Kitty, Lee was using her for money. He scammed her into buying a house with his name on it, promising her that they were going to live there together forever. In October of 2021, the month that she passed away, he allegedly drugged Little Kitty's water, invited his friends over, and they R-worded her. No. There is no police report, but um, sources close to Little Kitty said that this happened. I'm not really sure. Now, this is where it gets really messy. Apparently, Lee vanished after all of this took place. Like, he left after the whole R-word alleged incident. So she went on this live stream almost as a cry for help to get his attention. Remember how I said that she was waiting for someone on the live stream? Mm. She was doing all of these things that was trying to get someone's attention. And I don't know if she was trying to get his attention because she wanted him back or if maybe she wanted him caught by the police. I don't know. I don't even know if the alleged R-wording incident happened. But we do know that was the main purpose of the live stream. But the only thing that's clear is that Little Kitty was not doing well. People believe that she started with the live stream as a cry for attention and a cry for help and as a way to get Lee's attention. But with these people egging her on and with these hate comments flooding into the live stream, she made an impulsive decision to just go through with it. It's important to mention, one of the accounts that kept egging her to drink the dark-colored liquid was named You're the Most Precious and has an icon of a basketball player on their profile and nothing else. Remember, Z loves basketball. And I'm not saying it's him, but a lot of people pointed out this connection. So the account kept egging Little Kitty on, telling her to drink more, drink more, and Little Kitty's family would later try to take legal action against this account, but they were unable to find out who even owned this account. Doying and all these places, they just shut down the account and never talked about it again. Even after Little Kitty's death, Z posted, Please stop thinking that the dead are superior. Stop spreading rumors. Like I said, I will take full legal responsibility for everything that I've said online. Her parents can come talk to me or take legal action regarding her actions, but I have all the proof. I'm disgusted by all of you fake justice people. Little Kitty ends up passing away, but this is where the case takes an even darker turn. A month after her death, she's cremated. 
and her ashes are stolen. Okay, well, they're swapped. Someone had come, taken her ashes, taken her, and replaced her ashes with a different powder. Three people were found to be involved in the swapping of her ashes. They admitted that they were trying to sell her to get married. For her to be married after her death. Please, for her ashes to get married. The ashes of an unmarried, single, beautiful young woman, they said, we could have sold her ashes for $10,000. Thankfully, the culprits were caught and arrested and her ashes were returned. But this is probably one of the stranger turns I've seen a case take. Like, this is one of the stranger truths I've seen. There are so many unanswered questions for me. Like, what? who gets married to a dead person? Like, who wants ashes of a dead woman? Why are people buying and selling dead people's ashes and for so much money? We all know that women's bodies have often been turned into commodities. Like there are evil people in this world that know this and they're going to try to make money off of women's bodies. Like we've heard stories of human trafficking where women are sold off into marriages as hostages, basically. We've heard it all where women's bodies are literally just bought and sold over and over again against their will. I don't think I've ever heard of a case where a woman's body was worth more dead than alive. This case is incredibly triggering, infuriating, it's dark, but let's dive in. There is a really strange connection between this case and another case that happened in a small rural town in central China. It was a drizzly summer night. The Jiang family had invited their family and friends over for like a little celebration of sorts. They went the extra mile. They had decorated their entire place. There were red paper cutouts adorning all of the walls. And you could see that each one had the word happiness written on there. Mm -hmm. Is that like a thing for parties or is there a specific event? Weddings, New Year, just the, the happy celebration. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So they got happiness all over the walls. On the other wall, there's this big portrait of a guy. There's red curtains draping around this giant portrait of him. So it's very interesting. That is the groom. And this was a wedding celebration. So yeah, like you said, happy all over the walls. But nobody's dancing. Nobody's celebrating. Nobody's even smiling. Everybody is dead silent. It felt more like a funeral than anything. I'm like, what's going on? Is this a toxic couple? Nobody wanted to get married in the first place. Why does everyone seem depressed when there's a literal cele- when there's literal happiness over the walls? Xiao Yuan, we're gonna call him XJ, okay? They're a part of his initials. Okay. So XJ was the groom, and he was 20 years old. Everyone was pretty happy about the wedding, technically. Okay, XJ had a really tough summer. He had gotten into a pretty bad accident about a month ago, so theoretically, his loved ones would be ecstatic for him. XJ's uncle, Miao, he runs into the room and he breaks the silence. He says, the time has come for the bride and the groom to enter the bridal chamber. If your zodiac sign is a dragon, tiger, chicken, you can sit down. The rest, bring a shovel, we're leaving. So, we're going to get into the zodiac signs in a second. A handful of people stood up, grabbed a shovel, ran into the back rooms with him, and there was no 20-year-old waiting for them. There was no couple nervously sitting on a chair like, oh my god, the bridal chamber, you know? There was nothing in the room but a closed casket. The uncle starts talking. My dear nephew, I finally found you a new wife. You won't be ridiculed or lonely in the afterlife. Your new wife will take very good care of you. You will never be alone. Remember the accident a month ago that XJ was in? Mm -hmm. He never survived. XJ died a month ago. He was in that coffin and it was time to take him to meet his new wife. His new wife 
was also dead. The family had bought her corpse, and bodies are not cheap. XJ's family had paid about 4,000 US dollars for XJ's new wife, and her name was Lee Ju. She was now going to make XJ a very, very happy man. Lee's family had dropped her off earlier that day, and Miao, the uncle, he remembered opening up her casket for the first time. She was going to be changed into this beautiful wedding dress, and she just looked perfect. She looked beautiful, peaceful. Everyone half expected her to look, I don't know, more dead, but she just looked very graceful. She was what they deem in the market, a fresh one. They prepped both bride and groom for their special day to be buried together as husband and wife. Now, as the uncle is getting ready for everyone to bring XJ's casket out to join the brides, so the bride's casket, Lee's casket, is outside. There's a hole dug for both of them. Her casket is in the hole. And now they're going to bring out XJ, bury him next to his new wife, and do like a whole little ceremony and put some dirt on their caskets. Let Tend Dental make your dream smile a reality. We offer a variety of top-rated treatments, including Invisalign aligners. And for a limited time, Tend is offering $750 off orthodontic treatments. Offer valid through January 31st, so don't wait. Visit hellotend.com slash sale. That's hellotend.com slash sale. And book your free consult today. But relatives outside, they start screaming bloody freaking murder. They're like ants just throwing their shovels down and scattering into all these different directions. And it's, it's raining. They're getting drenched in rain. And Meow is like, what's going on? What's going on? They're taking a second to catch their breaths. It's a, it's a. Meow runs out and he's trying to see what the fuss is about. What is going on? The next part is going to sound like an urban legend, but it's not. The coffin in the grave was open and the bride was sitting up, just strands of wet jet black hair covering her face and she's throwing, waving her arms around. Her eyes look bewildered. Meow turns to his friends asking what the hell happened. One of his friends was in charge of helping to dig the massive grave. He suddenly heard these weird scratching noises. Like wood scratching noises. He's really spooked out by it. But he thought, you know what? I'm just probably scared because I'm digging a little grave. You know what I mean? Like the environment is scary. Of course I'm going to be spooked out. I'm like paranoid. <laughs> Makes sense. But just for fun and for peace of mind, really, he starts calling out, are you a ghost or a human? If you're alive, say something. Silence. Okay. Thank God. <laughs> like imagining things. What's wrong with me? But then the scratching noise comes again. And it's even louder. He's like, oh my God, I feel like I hear something. I must be losing my mind. So he runs towards the house and grabs a bunch of people who also go out with him. And they're all reassuring him on the way out to the gravesite. You're just imagining things. Like you've been watching her corpse all day. Like, of course, you're just superstitious. You're overly freaked out with hanging out with a dead body all day. But when they get there, they all hear the scratching noises. And they're, you know, humans, we like to come up with these wild solutions. So these humans are like, maybe, maybe when her parents were putting her into the coffin, a cat had crawled in the cat is now like meow get me out bitch so it's the cat we gotta pry it open and let the cat out and everyone is agreeing like that's exactly what happened it's definitely a cat because the alternative is just bizarre so they pry open the nails off the casket they pop the lid open no cat instead 
A woman pops up, a pale-faced, dark-haired woman shoots up from the coffin, and she's dressed in a wedding gown. Her eyes look crazed. She's throwing her arms around, and she's almost like mumbling something, and she's just shaking. They did not stick around and find out what she was trying to say. They drop everything, and they make a run for it. That is when Miao returns to see her in the coffin, and he asks, Ma'am, are you a ghost or a human? This is also not in the past, guys. This is in like 2006. She doesn't respond. They call the police because, well, Miao is pretty damn sure it's not a ghost. He was pretty pissed. He had bought a dead human body. And the fact that he got one that was alive was kind of annoying to him. You know, he kind of got scammed. Ambulances rush out to the little town and it was clear that she is not a ghost and she needed help desperately. They rush her to the hospital and it was revealed that this woman, the bride that was almost buried alive, was a woman named Lee Ju who was deaf, mute, and had a severe mental disability. She was walking down a busy road one day when a kind man, like a 60-year-old man, offered to help her. She accepted his help, got into his van, and there were five other men in the car that seemed really nice. One of them even graciously offered her a water bottle. She took it and took a big, long sip fell asleep, and she woke up in this dark space. She had no idea where she was because she had been drugged, placed into the coffin, and was being prepared to be sold as a dead corpse. The men wanted to kill her because that's their whole business. They find women, kill them, and sell their corpses as ghost brides. They would retire early with more money than they knew what to do with. That was their plan. But then they got cold feet, or maybe they miscalculated the amount of drugs that would be needed to kill her. Lee was still alive when she was placed into the coffin, just super, super unconscious. She finally awoke when they were getting ready to bury her. She can't hear, she can't speak because she's deaf and mute, so she starts using her hands to feel her surroundings, and it's dark. She feels like she's suffocating. She starts scratching the walls around her, and that's how she was saved. Once the truth came out, Miao felt really, really bad. He had no clue that she wasn't already dead. He had no clue that she had been killed to become his nephew's bride. Like, that's not how it works. He thought he had bought someone who had naturally died. And he was just marrying them after death. He was really shaken up about this. He vowed to help her and he took pictures of her, posted her pictures all over social media and found her real family. Now, the family that dropped her off with him, they were the attempted killers. They were not her family. A few days later, Lee and her family were reunited. Meanwhile, the police went to work down tracking the guy that had taken Lee. This man had a lengthy criminal record. Lee wasn't even his first victim. He had an entire human trafficking business. The man was 65 years old. He had retired, but someone had told him, you know, you could make a lot of money selling dead woman's bodies. He's like, that's good. Let me sell dead woman's bodies. But inventory ran out. So the way that it started, he would spend most of his time driving around with his accomplices looking for vulnerable women. Now, since he's 65, he would use his age and kind appearance to his advantage and ask these women for help or help these women. Most of the women he targeted either had some sort of disability or had something going on where they were extra vulnerable. He felt like they were easier to target. This man did not see these women as real people. They were just inventory to him. He would kidnap these women, and at first he thought, I don't want to commit murder. You know, that's too much. I could go to jail for a very long time for that. I want to just sell these women. I just want to be a human trafficker. (laughs) 
That's it. So simple. So innocent. I'm just going to look for buyers. I'm going to sell these women while they're still alive. So he would contact these super poor families in the area who had sons that were looking for wives. Now, these are families that don't have much. So no woman wants to marry into this family. But these families are willing to pay a ton of money to give their son finally a marriage. So he would pretend that this young woman was a single female relative of his. And the bride price to buy her from him was anywhere between $4,000 to $7,000. He was also really honest and said that, you know, they have either a mental or physical disability. But again, these families, they weren't looking for wives or daughter-in-laws. They were looking for birthing machines. It was less about love and companionship. Side note, the disabilities also meant that it would be hard for the women or the victims to tell the truth of what was going on. And it would also mean that they were being R-worded. Because if they have a disability to that extent where they cannot communicate what happened, I imagine that they cannot consent. So he would first reach out to these families, and this was his business model when he first started. But the man was greedy. He was upset that he would have to go through all of this work to kidnap one girl. Then he would be able to sell her just one time. That's a lot of work. So he's like, there's got to be a better business plan. So he creates a way to infinitely sell her over and over again. I literally want to punch these people in the face and honestly bury them alive. So he decides to start a sex trafficking ring. He's like, human trafficking, sex trafficking. Let's do it. He starts a brothel in his house, if you will, where men will come to, quote, meet their needs with these women who clearly cannot consent, but they're also extra vulnerable. He was actually caught doing this. Women were rescued from his house. They were being held hostage. They were rescued by the police. I mean, it was clear that they were forced into this. But he goes to prison for like a few years, gets out and goes right back to his human trafficking scheme. And this time he's like, you know what? I've learned my lesson. Dead people don't talk. So he didn't like selling women while they were alive. So he wanted to sell them dead. In some parts of the world, women's bodies are worth more dead than they are alive. It's a statistic that makes you want to gag. Even with dead women's bodies, there are levels, rankings. The best type is what they call a fresh corpse, a fresh one. These are bodies of women that had just died. In fact, negotiations for the sale of these bodies typically happen while the person is still laying in the hospital bed fighting for their lives. Wow. And the parents are usually in on it. The starting price is, depending on the supply and demand, $12,000 on average for a super fresh woman's corpse, but can go up to $50,000. The second grade is what they call a, quote, wet corpse. These are the bodies of people who have died a few weeks to a few months ago, and they range anywhere between $7,000 to $12,000 on average. Then lastly, you have dried meat. These are corpses that have died years ago, but they still go for a few thousands of dollars. And I kid you not, but the corpses of girls who were more well-off or more educated, they sold for hire, even though they're dead. Okay, this is, you know what this reminds me of? How Marilyn Monroe's body went missing for hours after she died. And this also reminds me of how back in the day when queens would die, um, usually it was only female attendants that were allowed with her body before she was buried. Because, yeah. Because if you let a man in there, some of these men will do some very vile things. I mean, if you want a whole case on that, please let me know. But that's all to say, a dead woman could sell more than a living one. And you can keep guessing why, but I'll tell you soon enough. 
So the only problem that this guy had was that he only had living women. You know, where is this going? You know exactly where. He would advertise that a close female young unmarried relative of his had just suddenly passed. He would tell families with dead sons that he was heartbroken, that his his niece would never be married. She would be alone for the rest of eternity because she was unmarried, which means she's going to go to the afterlife a single woman. I mean, how can that be? She was so smart, so beautiful. Surprisingly or not so surprisingly, it worked. For each girl he kidnapped off the street, he would find a family with a dead son that had a few extra thousands of dollars and they would facilitate what is known as a ghost marriage. The dead groom's family buys a dead bride, performs a wedding to bury them together so that they will be married in the afterlife. The business was so good, ghost wedding matchmakers were making tens of thousands of dollars a month if they were really good. But how many young girls were dying naturally? Whose family would allow them to be sold as ghost brides for a cut of the proceeds? Not many. So these ghost matchmakers would make their own ghost brides by killing women, or they would go rob random graves. Side note, the man was arrested by the police and they promised a severe punishment. He was actually found by the townspeople before he was arrested and severely beaten up to a pulp, like bandages all over his face, beaten up. I've tried scouring the internet for what his sentence was, but I just couldn't find it. If you're familiar with this case, please let us know. But he was caught. He was taken in. But the pressing question is still, what the hell is a ghost marriage? And why is there a robust industry around ghost marriages? Because I get living weddings. You Like, we're in the middle of planning a wedding, and it's so expensive. There's so much money to be made, I guess, if you're in the industry. But ghost weddings? Like, what is going on? Also, just because it's not part of your culture, please, a disclaimer, if it's not a part of your culture or what you know, it doesn't mean that it's backwards or lesser than. I do get a little sensitive when a lot of cultures aren't like stereotypical Western cultures because people like to think of it as, I don't know, as less developed. It's just a different culture. Different doesn't make it inferior, so let's keep it civil in the comments. Also, this isn't necessarily a Chinese thing. Ghost marriages are illegal in China. And the ghost marriages happen all around the world. There have been cases like this in China, and I'm talking about them today, but there's a lot everywhere. Now, there is almost this urban legend in China, and I wonder if it's like an urban legend to you guys, but I've received it on the research end as like an urban legend or maybe a superstition. So you know how in China and other places in Asia that some cultures give red packets, like red envelopes, and they're stuffed with cash, and it's usually grandparents giving it to the grandchildren or parents giving it to their underage kids, and it's a way to celebrate, but there are some rules to receiving a red packet. So red packets traditionally, they're a good thing, you know, they're very good. So during Chinese New Year, you get it, and you have to receive it with both hands, and it's like a birthday card. You gotta act like there's no cash in there. You act like it's just a token of love, a symbol of family, right? And you can't really open it in front of people. You got to thank them and be like, oh my God, this is such a surprise. You take it home and then you open it. You get a little peek. It sounds like a blast, right? So one might imagine that if you were walking around and you find a red pocket just laying on the street, you'd be like, oh my God, that's exciting. I'm going to pick it up. But there are certain parts of China where they tell you, do not ever pick up a red pocket on the street. But you're like, why? I already know what's in there. It's cash. Some some little 12-year-old forgot to bring his red pocket. He dropped it. If you pick it up, you might open it up and there might be a little bit of money. And curiously, a couple of strands of someone's hair and someone's nail clippings and horoscope information. And you're like standing there like, why is there hair and nail clippings in this red pocket? Like that is weird. But while you're looking down confused, 
that's when they might strike. People might jump out and say, congratulations, you're the lucky one chosen by fate to marry my child. The only problem is, my child is dead. In a lot of cultures, it is believed that if your loved one, family member, your child dies single, they're going to spend eternity alone and nobody's going to care for them in the afterlife. But not only that, dead single relatives will bring bad luck to the living family members because they're roaming around, they're lonely, they're, they're anxious, they don't have a partner, they're not satisfied. So isn't that fantastic? Even in death, nobody is allowed to be alone in peace. So what do you do if your family member dies before they get married? You find someone to marry them after they die. But it's hard to find a willing participant. It's just not something you ask a favor of. Like, hey, family friend, do you mind marrying my dad uncle? So you can be, you can be fused with him in the afterlife and your souls will be forever intertwined and you can never really be with anybody else in the afterlife? Quick favor on a Tuesday night? It's not a casual IOU situation. So these families will put out red pockets on the ground to lure in potential brides and grooms. If you politely decline, they will tell you that you will be cursed with bad luck for the rest of eternity. So what do you do? Okay, maybe you marry their dead child. Sometimes it's rather innocent. Like, I don't know if that's the right word to describe it, but you go with them. They throw a little dress on you. You hold a picture of their deceased child and you do this little makeshift wedding ceremony in their home. It's not legally blinding. It's potentially spiritually binding if you believe in it, but it's the type of situation where I believe if someone has a hard time saying no, you might find yourself in that situation on a really bad day. You'd just be getting married to a ghost. These are the more innocent forms of ghost marriages, and none of this equates to technically anything illegal. This is not something that you would want to put out there. Like, China would not support this. The government would not support this. Local authorities would not support this. Chinese netizens would not support this. But it's not technically illegal. You're just, like, taking a couple of pictures, and you're like, this is really weird. I'm going to leave now. Thanks. But there seems to be a pipeline between these ghost marriages and murder. And that's what we're talking about. But the only way to get to the motive of these murders is we need to understand ghost marriages. And there's two types of them. So the first one is like the one that I just told you, the most common type where a family member dies, they're unmarried, and you find a living person to have this almost fake ceremony with them. And you're like, okay, I promise to take care of them in the afterlife whenever I die. Ha <laughs> ha. We're married. It's not legally binding. Nothing. They, you don't even have to know this person in real life. You don't even have to date them in real life. You're just doing it to make someone happy. Then the other ghost marriage is the one that starts getting illegal, is the one that the government starts being very, very sensitive about, where both parties are dead. Most likely, the two dead parties have never met each other in real life, or they never dated in real life, but their surviving family members will together hold a ceremony for their marriage. So let's say my daughter dies, his son is dead, they're already buried separately. We're like, you know what, let's have a ceremony, dig them up, and rebury them together so that they're not alone in their little grave sites and in the afterlife. This is dangerous because when you're digging up dead bodies, that's not only just a biohazard, but it's also, there's a lot that could go wrong. There's a lot that just is, is complicated. And what's interesting is that these two families that have never known each other, their kids have never dated, but they will treat each other like in-laws after the ceremony. They will genuinely consider each other family. So if I need money, that family might be more generous in giving me money because we're technically family, because our kids are now buried together. But it's basically a grave relocation and a quick ceremony. That's about it. But they consider each other family. 
as a non-Chinese person, I don't really think I can have an opinion on this. I just feel like if nobody's getting hurt, nobody's getting pressured, who am I to tell someone how to grieve? Like, who am I to be upset? But why? Because I get why some parents might want their kids to get married now in the present life, especially in East Asia. They want to keep the family unit going. They want grandchildren. But I mean, with all due respect, if you're dead, none of that really matters anymore. Why go through all this trouble and pay thousands of dollars to make sure your deceased relative is married even in death? A lot of people in China believe it goes back to Nuwa. 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 So there is a popular legend and it's not like debated as history or fact. It's, it's not a religious take is what I'm trying to say. It's just a legend that people like to tell. A woman named Nuwa was the creator of humans. She lived in the mountains with her brother since, you know, she was just bored all day. She would fiddle with clay. She'd make these little human shapes out of clay. And eventually all these clay figures would become humans. She would breathe life into them and they were like her precious children. She's like the mother of humans. But one day, the fire god and water god get into this huge fight. And during the fight, they destroy the tallest mountain on earth. This is significant because it is said that the tallest mountain on earth is the one holding up the sky. So now the sky is coming down, crashing down on humans, kill, almost killing all of Nuwa's children, her humans, her precious humans. She does her best to repair the sky, but the human population has dwindled down. They're so weak, they're barely surviving. And her brother told her, we need to repopulate this earth. It is the only way. She's very disgusted. She's, it's, it's very much giving. What do you mean, step bro? We're literally siblings. She said, absolutely not. But then she thought about it and she said, but these are my precious humans. She was conflicted. So the two of them, they both like, it, it, this is not a weird situation where they both liked each other. The brother was not into it either. They climb up to the mountains and they ask the gods. They both light their own fires. And they say, we are the only people left. What do we do? If the lords allow us to be husband and wife, may the flames intertwine with one another. Or else may the flames forever disperse, meaning literally wipe out the population. The flames intertwined into a yin and yang shape. So they got married. They did it, but they always covered their faces while they did it with fans because regardless, they just weren't that attracted to each other. But the whole point of the story is that marriage is so important in this story that it's almost the only thing that can save this world. It is almost directly applied to each family unit. The theory being, if you aren't married before you die, you are killing out your bloodline. You're wiping out your population. Not even just your immediate bloodline, but it's like bad luck to the whole family bloodline. Because I'm guessing if Nua didn't marry her brother, the humans would have gone extinct. And then sprinkle in misogyny, the sentiment became, and this is back in the dynastic times, that a woman was only supposed to have one husband her whole life, for eternity. Meanwhile, men could have more than one wife, but there was a loophole. Like technically men could remarry and sleep with other women, but they would never be his wife. Only his first wife is the wife. These are all just like, whatever. But women weren't allowed to do that, okay? So if a wife dies, the husband can basically remarry. But if the husband dies first, in some extreme times back in the day, like thousands of years ago, the wife would be thrown into the same coffin as her deceased husband while she was still alive and be buried alive with his corpse because it is her wifely life duty to be with him for eternity and forever. I don't even want to go with you to the DMV, okay? And like, they're like, you got to go with your husband everywhere. Or if her deceased husband was being cremated, she would be thrown into 
the furnace to be burned alive with her dead husband. This is like way, way back in the past, okay? But these types of stories popularized the beginnings of ghost marriage. People started to believe that bad shit happens when you have single deceased family members. So naturally, the introduction of ghost matchmakers starts to emerge. And there's more to it than just burying bodies next to each other. There's like a whole ceremony. So if both parties are dead, it's pretty simple. The groom's family will go to pick up the bride's memorial stone, like her tombstone, okay? And it's supposed to be symbolic because in Chinese wedding custom, the groom and his groomsmen will go pick up the bride from her house. And the groom's family picks up the bride's tombstone. And it's said that the bride's family is supposed to act very sad. Oh, because like they're departing with their daughter. They're like their daughter is getting married off now. Wow. So they're supposed to cry and like put on a whole show and chase after them, which is very interesting. Is that like a thing in regular customs when people are alive? Like, yeah, sometimes I guess. Where it's like a no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like parents will cry and Mm, goodbye daughter. That's very dramatic. I'm like, I'm right here. (laughs) Okay, so they bring it to the groom's tombstone, place them side by side, grab pictures of both the groom and the bride, tie the pictures together with red string, and the new couple will have to have dumplings to symbolize family, reunion, and wealth, noodles to symbolize longevity, which is kind of ironic considering it's a ghost marriage. They both died. So it's not really longevity. And alcohol, because in Chinese customs, you guys do the intertwined alcohol drink Mm, mm -hmm. during the real weddings so these three things have to be there and this is how they do the whole ceremony then they pick a good day in the month either the second day third six or eight these are typically good numbers never the fourth of the month okay they will go dig up the two corpses dig the bride out and bring her to where the husband is and bury her with the husband so now they're married and dead It's important to note that this is just one of the ways to do it. It may vary region by region, but you can see, you know, that if one party isn't dead, it gets trickier. It's just weird. There was even back in the day a way to have sex with your ghost marriage partner, which I don't condone any of this, and neither does the Chinese population. But apparently you could consecrate the marriage if one person was alive and one person is dead. So you start with incense and you talk to your dead partner while you use it and you connect the spiritual and the real world. And then again, I don't condone this, but this is what the research said. Step two, if you want certain body parts from the earthly realm to be touched by a certain someone in the spiritual realm, you need to put the incense stick on that body part. This is going to land you in the ER, but I'm just letting you know what I found in the research. So what I'm trying to say is they take this very seriously. Ghost marriages were taken very, very seriously back then. And it was to save your loved one's soul. And I can't say that I wouldn't do strange things if someone genuinely made me believe that I had to save my loved one's soul. So that is then. How about now? Are ghost marriages still a thing? It's very rare and it's only occurring amongst the super superstitious or in the typical small town residents. Even then, it's rare, but it's definitely not happening in like the middle of Hong Kong, the middle of Shanghai, and it's typically for dead sons. Now, with current times, we get into historical and cultural context because China's one-child policy. So in the 80s, China started a one-child policy that's exactly as it sounds. Each family unit was only allowed one child. It was to prevent rapid overpopulation, amongst other things, and it just ended in 2016. And if I'm not mistaken, China is actually having the opposite problem, just like South Korea, where nobody wants to have even one child. 
So they're really struggling now. But when the one-child policy was in effect, there was this huge, huge, heavy gender bias towards males. If families were only allowed one child, they wanted a son to, quote, continue the family name and the bloodline. This led to a lot of pregnancies being terminated because the gender was not what they hoped for. And it's sexist. These are also not gender reveal parties where people are like, oh man, I really wanted blue balloons because I want to throw baseballs with my son. Instead of a girly girl, it's not like that. In China, back then especially, and probably even now anywhere in this world, it's fucking rough to be a girl. Why would any mom want to bring a girl into this world to see her suffer the same life that she's suffered so far? You get it? It's not... It's a lot of layers of complexity. It's not like China is just filled with moms that are obsessed with putting boy mom in their Instagram bio. It's very dark. And it said that during this time, a lot of baby girls were abandoned or left to be adopted. It said adoption rates overseas saw a huge uptick in female adoptions from China compared to male adoptions from China. This led to the Chinese population being severely unbalanced. There are way too many men. Like right now, this is a problem that's happening. Way too many men, not enough women. When men grow up and become of marrying age, not enough women to marry, which leads to a lot of problems. Women, or specifically female bodies, are in high demand. High demand, low supply, for the male population historically has been a very, very, very scary combination. Daughters have become commodities. And there's a lot of talk about this. It's insane how one law can so greatly affect so many things. But kidnapping, human trafficking, purchasing brides has gotten so much worse because of this one policy. If there are this few women that want to marry men who are alive, imagine how few women are willing to marry a dead person. In terms of economics on this one, supply for ghost brides got even lower, which made demand go even higher. This meant there was a lot of money to be made. And this whole system, which originated as people trying to find peace with their deceased loved ones, starts transforming into a really dirty supply chain. Our Mandarin-speaking researcher said, the size of this ghost marriage industry is probably beyond our imagination. Talking globally, not just in China. So the industry is just the sale of dead bodies and corpses. A professor from Shanghai University that had been studying ghost marriages for over 15 years said, 2010 was the peak of ghost marriages. The price for a freshly dead female corpse on average that year was 45,000 US dollars. This doesn't include wedding ceremony fees or plots of lands for the grave. In some of these wedding ceremonies, the families of the groom would still give gifts to the bride's family. And like I said, when there's money to be made, people are going to start abusing the system. It can easily lead to murder. So in 2006, a Chinese woman in the Shanxi Shanxi? province poisoned her ex-husband with rat poison. He died. She was sentenced to life in prison. The deceased husband's brother, Yuan, was left to pick up the pieces, and he just really wanted his brother to be happy and well cared for in the afterlife. So he pulled together all this money and got in touch with a ghost matchmaker, and he was just looking for a dead corpse bride for his wife. The ghost matchmaker sat for down. For his brother, right? For his brother, yes. The ghost matchmaker sat down and asked his brother about the zodiac sign. Now, this is where zodiacs come into play. Remember the original story where he only wanted like certain zodiac signs to come to the back with him? Apparently, you can't really tell if a dead person is going to get along with certain people. So you just go off their zodiacs. 
You're like, okay, well, the person that's deceased is a horse zodiac and they are known for not getting along with the pig zodiac. Then you just wouldn't let a pig in that room. So the ghost matchmaker will ask about their zodiac sign. This is important because... You know, when both parties are alive, they can get to know each other. But now this is a dead marriage, meaning this is the only way to know if they're going to get along in the afterlife. The matchmaker told Yuan that there was a family whose daughter was terminally ill. She's still alive right now, but she's about to pass away. They were also looking to give their daughter a husband in the death. So this is perfect. A few months later, Yuan receives the girl's coffin and starts digging his brother's grave. He even called the police to supervise, which side note, ghost marriages are illegal in China. But in more rural areas, police might look the other way. But he just wanted to show them like, I'm doing everything I can to do this in the right way. Like I'm not killing anyone like those rare once in a while stories you hear. I'm not doing that. Like I'm literally purchased a corpse and her family is okay with it. Her family sold her to me and we're just going to bury her with my brother. Nothing shady is going on. The girl let's call her May. May was dead. So this much was true. The police watch the couple get married and be buried next to each other. And for about a year, everything was good until it wasn't. The matchmakers, they went on their merry way, patting themselves on the back for creating another blessed union. But in 2006, they were busted for killing a girl. Three matchmakers were working as a team and they would kidnap young women, turn them into corpses. They were arrested for robbery and during the investigation with enough pressure they admitted to be involved in ghost matchmaking. The police start connecting the dots with their claims and some of the girls that were reportedly missing in the area, including a girl named May. May's dad had been talking to the police to talk about how he hadn't heard from his daughter in a really long time. They start investigating and what they found was really, really nefarious. May was a young woman with a severe mental disability. Her mind would never develop beyond the age of six years old. She wasn't able to fully learn how to use the restroom on her own. Her parents, who were very impoverished, they didn't really know what to do. They felt like this was no future for her. And when she was about to turn 20, they said, look, she should be married. At least maybe she can have kids. Mind you, she can't consent to sexual activity because she can't. They said, I know my daughter can't fall in love with someone like other girls her age, but maybe she can still make babies. So they offered her up as a birthing machine, basically. They were honest with potential suitors and potential grooms and said, she's not going to be a perfect wife. She's not going to be a companion. She's going to need a lot of care, but she can be R-worded and forcibly impregnated, basically. Like, what is going on right now? A man named Don became her matchmaker to find her a husband. She's still alive. She has no terminal illness. He finds a client named P who's interested in buying May. P straight up told Don that his only requirement in his new wife is that she can give birth to his children. He literally doesn't care if they get along. So Don brings P to May's family home. He meets with the parents, pays them 300 US dollars and buys May. There is no price on humans, but from everything we just talked about, $300? P takes, kidnaps May, and brings her home. After a while, he demands a refund. He said May is more work than he thought, and he didn't want to take care of her because she was, and I quote, stupid beyond imagination. Again, I hate this man. I hate this man. But he said he took her to the doctor, who informed him she could never give birth. So he's like, I don't even want to keep our wording her because she can't have my children. He drags May back to the matchmaker, demands a refund, and says, she's just another burden. I want my money back. 
Dom, the matchmaker, pays the money back. And instead of bringing May back to her family, which I don't even know if that would have been a good thing at this point because are they just going to sell her again? Don tries to sell her again himself, but nobody wants to purchase her as a wife. And that's when he bumps into another matchmaker. But that matchmaker was not a matchmaker for the living. They were a ghost matchmaker and a murderous one. Side note, not every ghost matchmaker is a killer, but, you know, this ghost, ghost matchmaker is like, hey, can I purchase May from you for like a couple thousand USD? He's like, what? A couple thousand? Do you know how long I've been trying to sell her and you were offering me a couple thousand USD? What do you got planned? I mean, clearly, clearly you got something planned because she's not worth a couple thousand USD. I'm getting, getting no hits. So he's like, oh, you don't know? I'm going to kill her. I'm going to sell her as a ghost bride. I'm going to make literally maybe 10 grand. So I'm going to profit a lot from this. And he's like, oh my God, I want to get into this industry. So they both profited about $4,000 from murder, from murdering May. They found a buyer, which was Yan. They spooned borax, white powder used for heavy-duty cleaning, spooned it to a piece of bread and forcibly fed it to May. She trusted them and did what she was told. The poison is known to work very, very slowly, which can you imagine how painful that must have been? It lasted hours. And even when it was time to bring her to the, quote, groom's family, she was still alive. Barely, but still alive. Don didn't want to wait any longer, so he leaned over and strangled her to death. She was brought to Yuan, who buried her with his brother, who passed. He had no idea that May was killed for this. He had no idea that the matchmakers were just murderers. It seemed in his own little way he just wanted the best for his brother. He was devastated to learn what happened to May. May's family, his, the parents, also blamed themselves. They regretted ever trying to get her to marry and have children, which, like, yeah, agreed. May's parents also said they should just leave her buried with the husband because if they were going to dig her up, there was a huge chance her body would be kidnapped, her corpse would be taken, again, robbed, and sold in another ghost marriage. So again, these three matchmakers, they were arrested and severely punished in China. In China, intentional murders can receive a punishment of anywhere between 10 years to the death penalty. Selling dead bodies counts as demoralizing corpses, which is also very, very illegal in China. But the ghost matchmaker said with zero remorse, I'm just trying to make a living. Money comes in fast in this job. Like if I didn't get caught, I'd probably just do a few more and retire. But now I'm ruined. The cases we covered today are all from China. But ghost marriages happen all over the world, and most of the times, they just aren't called that. And most of the times, the two parties know each other. In 2017, a 26-year-old in Thailand married her boyfriend after he suddenly died of a heart attack. She wore a white wedding dress next to his body, which was also dressed in white. They were officially married before he was buried. A year earlier in France, a 25-year-old married her boyfriend after he got into a fatal car accident. The president gave them special permission. She stood in her wedding gown next to his picture as the city's mayor read their vows. It's just interesting. I think there are a lot of stories like this. And if, if the story is right and they knew each other prior to the marriage it's almost an endearing story because marriage really is a beautiful thing like to commit to someone is a beautiful thing and i can see how people would want to be married to someone that they want to spend the rest of their lives with but maybe they never got the chance to like in these international stories where a partner passes away too soon but i do think ghost marriages where the two parties don't know each other 
I mean, there's so many ways that it can turn into this corrupt, scary system. So again, this is not something that Chinese people condone. Netizens were outraged every time a case like this came out. The Chinese government does not condone this. This happens in other parts of the world as well. But I don't know. What are your thoughts on ghost marriages? Do you think that it has to do with the level of spirituality that somebody has? Because I guess I'm just not that spiritual of a person, so it's really hard for me to put myself in that mindset. Do you believe it's true? If someone passes away single, they're going to be single in the afterlife? What are your thoughts on today's episode? And have you ever heard of the human trafficking industry of corpses? Please let me know and stay safe. And I'll see you guys on Wednesday for the main episode. Bye.